where we interrogate films previously described by other not-infected people as masterpieces. Um, I am Nick, who perpetually feels like I've woken up after a coma into a dystopian future. And I am joined, as ever, by Roger, the badass zombie killer. (laughs) Oh no, maybe he's the infected. We are discussing today, um, we're heading back to 2002, to talk about the not-a-zombie film Honest, 28 Days Later, directed by Danny Boyle. And the reason we're doing it now is we thought we'd make it a double bill with its 2007 follow-up, 28 Weeks Later, hmm. and directed by one Carlos Fresnadio. Um, sorry for butchering any pronunciation there. So, we're back uh, in horror, um, and we are back in... I don't know what you call this, not really science fiction, um, but it's uh, it's a zombie movie, whatever they... Uh, Danny Boyle was at pains to say, it wasn't a zombie movie, didn't count because they're infected, but it's a zombie movie. It's a zombie, yeah. Uh, and and in fact, some some of the assumptions it borrows are some of where it goes wrong, I think, but we'll, we'll come back to that. Yes, that may be the case. I mean, this is... Uh, I think it's uh, one of the things we... Uh, again, we'll come back to whether these are masterpieces or not towards the end of the podcast. That's the whole point of it. But um, one of the things we measure this by is were they influential? And certainly 28 Days Later reinvigorated zombie cinema. Um, mm. It was the first film with fast zombies um, that run about uh, and are scary like that um, instead of creaky old slow zombies. Yeah, I, I remember at the time... I, I... Quite a lot of people I knew were big fans of it, and it was definitely the fast zombie film. Yes. Now, there have been uh, many since then with fast zombies, but this, I think we're right in saying, was the original, or at least the the, the best-known one with fast zombies in. It, it, the Model T equivalent. It was the one that popularised the thing, even if it wasn't the first one. <laughs> That's fair enough, yes. You can have any type of zombie you like, as long as it's uh, vomits on blood on you and, <laughs> and it's fast. <laughs> so the uh, plots, are, again, spoilers will abound in this Absolutely. podcast. Um, this is uh, written by Alex Garland, who was... Was a writer is now more of a screenwriter, I believe, than a writer. He'd written The Beach before and a, hmm. a few other things. Um, the Tesseract? I might know. That's somewhat completely different. Um, but uh, he... Um, well, uh, the story is of uh, the infection of a, a virus, we understand. We're not even 100% sure at this point, which is only known as rage. Um, we start with some animal rights protesters breaking into a uh, presumably high security facility where animals are being <laughs> oh, well, we'll come on to some of these things <laughs> um, <coughs> but they release um, this virus which is contagious within about 20 seconds as far as I can tell something yeah, like that what, what, once it has entered your system you have less than a minute before you are a Violent, violent killer, basically, and, and infected, as they as they are called here. Yeah. Um, so it spreads very rapidly throughout the population. And our story is that of um, 
oh, I've forgotten his name, our protagonist. Jim. Jim, uh, who wakes up 28 days after the release of this virus in hospital uh, on a drip. And this is where my problems start. A drip that presumably ran out 27 days ago, because being on a drip does not keep you alive unless someone comes and changes the bag of the drip. And And, and the bag is not huge. I have they're, used they're usually liter, one and two liter bags. I've the ones used I used eight to use. liter horse bags, um, mm-hmm. and that would not have lasted twenty eight days. And that does um, not seem to be what's hanging from his stand. It's definitely not. Um, and I, then five days after that, of course, he would die of dehydration. <laughs> exactly. So that would be the end of that particular film. This is. A, I'm going to get my medical rant out right. These 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 two films are. Possibly the laziest medical research I have seen in any of the film we've discussed. Starting with the, um, you're on a drip and it will keep you alive however long that will be. Oh, oh no, no, that's not starting there. Uh, well. Ha- have you worked in infectious disease facilities? Uh, okay, yes, yeah, I, I mean. I, I, I have visited them, I've not worked in them. But really, the security be... is a lot better. You, you have to assume it, it, it's some rubbish private company. That, well, that, that's I mean, not I, paying for real security I or some, some nonsense like that. In technical terms, you would have to be at least a Category 3, probably a Category 4 lab. That is not how a Category 4 lab works. Yeah, um, you, you don't just have the swipe card. You have somebody recognises you and lets you in, one person recognised at a time. And airlock systems and positive ventilation and uh-huh. all manner of things to stop what happened there happening. But I, I suppose... For I reasons, it, yes. Uh, for reasons. As, please as please notice the number of lab Ebola outbreaks we have had since it was isolated. Let's not go down the coronavirus route. But um, anyway, uh, I, I kind of let that have in that I assumed that protesters had done some damage on the way in. But then just the sheer workings of this this bug right i mean mm. this is a virus that uh, as we discover later seems to survive pretty much indefinitely in a corpse well viruses don't unless they sporulate which this one didn't because it works within 20 seconds so unless mm. the spore can unroll and multiply it just the the mechanics of it i mean no it's a zombie film but it's trying to dress it up in science that well that's the thing it, it, it's trying to be plausible and uh, like a, a book that says look at all my historical research it's hanging it out there and saying go ahead take your best shot and yes. we are taking our best shot. <laughs> I, it just, it pisses me. It's the same level of, oh, this man's having a heart attack. Let's put a defibrillator on him because he's flatlining. Well, that's uh-huh. how defibrillators work. Or, oh, I've had an injection of a sedative. I'm instantly sedated, even though this was an intramuscular injection. I just, it's so lazy and it doesn't have to be that way. I, I just don't pretend it's a virus when it works in a way that no virus could possibly work. I just, anyway. Uh, there are other medical problems I have, but the fact that it I, also this is the same opening as The Walking Dead, who seems to have lifted this opening. Uh, he ends up in a coma, wakes up a month or so later on a drip, and has survived. Doesn't well, I, I, I would point out that this comes from the Day of the Triffids. I think that's the earliest example of it. Uh, in that case, we don't have the coma, but you know, the, the everybody getting blinded is a result and, of a, an amazing light show in the sky that everybody looks at. Yes. And the reason he is, doesn't is he is in hospital with his eyes bandaged. His, uh, yes. But that's more plausible, right? It, you know, it, yeah, it, but it, it, did, it did feel to me as if it was very much leaning on that. Well, um, I, yes, I obviously, we, we skip over a... the uh, initial well, I... infection stage. And so then we have him, 
realising as he learns about the world, as we learn about the world, rather than seeing it as it happens. I mean, I can see that that makes it a more interesting way of telling the story. But it, it feels, well, yeah, I have seen this before. Yes, and I suppose, and it's been pinched again, as I say, wholesale. And I, the problem is, if you want to tell that story, um, the collapse of society itself is in itself going to be a huge story. Um, and you can't really just skip over that. Stephen King dwells on it in the stand. Um, and, and it's really fascinating, but it's the first half of a thousand page novel. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, I do understand the need to skip it, but come on with something that actually it's believable. Anyway, medical. I will probably have more medical rants as as we go along because it is not twenty eight weeks later. Um, well, the problem. The it is relevant because the problem with that is if it gets basic medical details wrong, I don't trust it to get anything else right. And as in, we'll come on to it in twenty eight weeks later. Uh, and I'm sure you probably have a better idea than me. The way the military behave feels very similar. But we'll come on to that. Here, actually, I, I found that a bit more plausible. I mean, not for the military in general, but what we've got is a unit that's been... Yeah, they've obviously had huge casualties. We've got, we've got yes. a major in charge of ten guys. Yes. Um, and basically, they, yeah, they have clearly gone a bit mad. Uh, everybody yeah. has gone a bit mad, and, and that that I found a plausible way for them to go mad. It, uh, it's not it's not the way the military works, but this is a military that isn't working. So yes, here, I, I, so, I actually yeah, thought I, it kind of worked. Well, that, yeah, I will. I'll save my criticism till we get onto the next one. But yes, so here, I agree. Um, Jim wakes up in an abandoned London. Um, uh, let, let, let's just stay in this hospital for a moment. Okay. Um, we have to assume that rage victims don't kill each other. Because otherwise we wouldn't we wouldn't have the rate of contagion we do. Yes. Uh we'll come back to that. But you know, did somebody specifically hide him from the horde? Um, there, there's the suggestion that he, he's locked into the room with the key on the inside. Yeah. Why why did nobody else hide in that room with him? Did everybody yeah. else perhaps run away? Um yeah, you know, the it's a hospital to be overrun. Uh, but but case... it's a hospital, the power's still on. Yeah, yeah. Generators don't have that much fuel in hospitals a, a day or two at most. No, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, again, we, <laughs> um, uh, yes, that is a good point. I, I hadn't actually considered that particularly, but what, where well, would be safer than where they are now? This is the thing I'm going to come back to, but, uh, alright, hospitals are mostly not designed for defence against a mob. Fair enough. I do think you, you might well have a better job, do a better job of assembling barricades and things there than yeah in a random place that you flee to. Yeah. Or at the very least, if you've got a room that will keep a guy safe, why not have more of you hiding in there, staying yeah. safe? Yeah, well, and why wasn't it overrun? And what? Yeah, that's, but that's this, 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 is, this is basically, I'm going to come back to this, um, this is my general feeling on, on Garland's script here, which is, he's yeah. very good at taking the effective bits out of other films, other books yeah. and so on, I don't think he's particularly good at joining them together in a way that makes sense. There's a lot... I mean, as we've just spent the first, I don't know, ten minutes of the podcast digging into specific plot holes, there's a lot... Oh, I, I have more. <laughs> well, I, think, I think we should, really, because I think the problem with... I th- it's bad. I, I'll say it outright, I do like 28 Days Later a lot. Mm, me too. Um, 
so I, I don't want to give the impression we're just destroying it for the sake of it, but it it wants to give the impression of a very similitude, I guess, and it just doesn't. Mm. When it doesn't, we've talked about fridge logic before, and it for me it doesn't. I would not make it to the fridge before I'm asking a lot of questions about what's going on here, um, and that it just takes you out of it. Um, it is it it brings you back in uh, with the with the characters, I think, and with mm. the. The set pieces, it still, it still works. Yes, I, I, I really like the leads here, but, uh, particularly Jim and uh, Selena. They're, uh, they're amazing. Uh, um, but well, both so- of whom were relatively unknown at the time. So yes, this is Cillian Murphy who has gone on to be really quite famous, but at the time yes. he was not well known at all. Um, similarly, Naomi Harris had, I think she'd done some children's TV stuff, but wasn't, wasn't generally known. Brendan Gleeson, obviously very well known, Frank, but, uh. And we have, um, Christopher Eccleston as well, who had been. Yeah, he, he was reasonably well known. This is before the Doctor Who revival, but. Oh, is it before the Doctor Who? Okay. But he, he was still, at least on British TV, he was well mm. known. I don't know about, um, yeah. cinema. Uh, yeah, I, well, uh, so, uh, Jim, um, uh, finds London abandoned and then quickly meets a couple of survivors, um, including Celine. And is it Luke, the other one who doesn't uh, Mark. Matter? <laughs> Mark, who doesn't outstay his welcome too much? But it's uh, it's uh, interesting. It's, it, we we quickly learn some of the rules. You know, the infected stay out of the light. Um, if you get bits, then you've got everything. Is like I hate like the description of like it's this, but on steroids. But it really is zombies. Uh, only everything is much quicker. The infection is instant, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, they run at you. you. You've got much less chance. And so we find that out quickly with Mark, who has a nice, you know, there's an interesting story with Mark about. I think it's um, Piccadilly Station he's talking about, and, and a, a touch on the collapse of um, humanity. Um, uh, Paddington bit... for the Heathrow Express, but oh, yeah, Paddington. Sorry. Um, of course it was Paddington. I knew that. I just didn't want to associate Paddington Bear with all this horror. <laughs> um, we have, again, um, not again, but we have quite a touching, I found it quite moving that the scene where Jim finds his parents and they've, um, the, the little note that says don't wake up. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, I, that gets me. Yeah, I, I, and it was only slightly spoiled by the total lack of decomposition. Well, I mean, they look like they've been um, in Cairo. For, <laughs> they, they were well mummified rather than melted, uh, as they would have been. Uh, I mean, the bed sheets would have been green at that point. I'm pretty sure. But um, and many, many flies. Yeah, I, I mean, I suppose a lot of decomposition is finished by then. But um, yeah. Anyway. You know, there's a Michelin web sketch which I shared on our on our group chat before, which is I'll, basically, I'll uh, link it in the show notes. Yeah. I'd like to because it is um it's basically two uh, two writers of hospital drama saying, well, we we were re- we recommended to stay with paramedics for a month before so we could learn the tips and trade, but you know we had holidays books and <laughs> and the drama is is pretty much the level of medical um, accuracy that we get here. Um, uh, and the Lancet agrees with me if you look on the Wikipedia. <laughs> um, but that aside, the, the film still works for me because it's it moving human emotional moments like that. And in fact, mm. this film is quite, I think, a humanistic and warm film at its heart. Or it feels yes. that way to me. And that's interesting. And what um, I think a lot of zombie films, and certainly the Romero films, were all about, you know, the real zombies are us. We're the bastards. Um, yeah, and the closest thing we get to the Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead sort of bastard is Selena. 
and, yes. and she has just become practical slightly faster than everybody else. Yes, and and she admit, you know, one of her things is, you know, what I said surviving was all there was, and I was wrong. I mean, in, in a way, so they discover that she hacks um, Mark to death um, pretty pretty quickly when he gets infected, but mm-hmm. then soon they meet um, Frank and his daughter, um, whose name I've forgotten Hannah. as well. She, uh, Hannah. Um, and so they... th- this is Megan Burns, who's about 15. I do think she's... A, th- there's one particularly... Th- there's a scene on a balcony where she has a, a fairly substantial set of lines to deliver, and it does come over as just delivering the lines... But at, for the physical acting, she's fine. And when, when it's, you know, oh, my dad is dead, I'm weeping, that's fine. Yes, I, I think she is the least um, accomplished of our, I guess, our four leads here. Um, but there is, there's a real warmth to Frank, um, and you can understand why his paternalism kind of wins over Celine even uh, towards the mm. end. But certainly Jim is very happy to... It's a story of sort of becoming... A family in this crisis, you know, they, mm. and I, I really respond to that. It's very sweet, um, uh, uh, which is weird in this kind of horrific story, but that, I mean, it, it, about... it's not laid out explicitly, but they certainly do a lot better together than when they're doing stuff individually. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there, there's work together and there's more than just survival seems to be the message. And Yeah, wh- get... what is the point of surviving? Well, yeah, this has an answer. Maybe it's not the only answer, but it does at least have an answer. Yes, and I suppose the film could have, have kind of... Well, I mean, it's a doom-laden apocalyptic film and you know that's not going to last. But it, it gives you these moments of warmth. Um and then we have um, they trek up to Manchester of all places. <laughs> well, uh, just, just, just before we get there, um, yes, yeah. there's there's the supermarket looting scene, um, and this is the point at which I was reminded that this was this was advertised as genre busting horror. Uh, and every yeah. post apocalyptic film has to have a supermarket looting scene. Yeah, yeah. Mostly they make it a mini mart um, because, as you see here, you really can't. Film in a supermarket without the lights on, and why are the lights on? <laughs> Except, but, yeah, but, there's... but remembering uh, Dawn of the Dead. Oh uh, yeah, I mean that is all set up in it, but that's that, better that, thought out as to it how seems they to get me, the power on. We, we've got a little bit of that, but it's only the little bit of it. It's that nod that says, "Yeah, I've seen this film. I'm doing my version of perhaps." Yeah, I, I couldn't bear to leave this out or something like that. But it doesn't really go anywhere. It doesn't do anything with it. And I, I think Dawn has the all right. Consumerism is over now. Yeah, handled much better than this does. The, the emptiness of consumer. Where, where, is, yeah, here it's really just a minor side point, and then we're on to the next thing. I feel a bit, perhaps unfairly, but I don't think so. That there's an element of that. I'm not a genre author, and I feel like I'm the first one who's ever invented any of these things. And I get that more in a way from Danny Boyle, with his insistence this isn't a zombie movie. Um, hmm. Where Alex Garland, I think at least, is probably well grounded in genre stuff but there's an element of um i mean we need to talk about alex garland to some extent but <laughs> there is an element of uh i i think you're right these are nods to older films but it feels like there's an element of we're the first ones that thought of this and to be fair in 28 days later there are some things that they were the first ones to think about and they i think they genuinely did bring a freshness to an old genre mm. so i think that's uh that's fair enough but there's an element of smugness and literiness to it that, yeah, I, that I yeah. find slightly irritating. I think that's fair. Um, yeah. 
there, there are bits that were, okay, so, alright, we're, we're going north to Manchester. First of all, uh, via a tunnel which, uh, given where it's said they were, they don't need to cross the river, but never mind. Uh, <laughs> or was it meant to be, yeah, I, I suppose if we're starting from Deptford, perhaps. Um, it does anyway. seem like a spec- I mean, I was with Jim there, why, why, why but, would but you do the, that? But the tower that, uh, Frank is based in is definitely, is an actual tower, and it's in Poplar. Okay. So they so, didn't need to cross the river from there. Uh, why not just go the, on foot and steal it? Well, I suppose they've got all their food and everything. Just it's a, But specifically the tyre change I, I want to talk about. Okay. Because I, I timed it because I'm like that. They weren't I've expecting me to time it. tyres in my time. My, my wife has done a lot of them. Yeah. Often solo, and she reckons three minutes is pretty good. I timed this at one thirty-four. I mean, granted, there's an incentive. I just, <laughs> it does it. In my expert, you know, you have to kind of stamp on it to tighten it properly. I, I maybe yeah, particularly if they're using the pneumatic wrench. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I was putting that down to this has been artificially accelerated. From, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're not just looking through a single ways. camera the whole time. So, but you're right, though. I mean, the 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 infected. Shadows start appearing on the wall before they've really started to change the tire. Is that right? I think it is. I got that um, impression. So it can't have been that long for them to run down a short tunnel. Um, and it's what this and this fifteen-year-old. She's been practicing changing tires in under three minutes. Has she? Well, her her father is a taxi driver. Yeah, but when when are you going to say we've got to time again? Go quicker! Come on, we got under three minutes we're on the clock. It, it seemed a bit. Um, I. I mean, any situation I'd be in, you'd be like, "What? Where? Oh, I'll drop the, got the." I suppose we didn't have locking nuts by then. <laughs> that would have been the biggest problem. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that broke my, uh, slightly broke me out of it. I must say, the action sequences in both this, and we'll come back to it more so in twenty-eight weeks later, they do this kind of very jump cut, uh, mm. uh, 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 very close up as well, so you don't really get a feeling of who's where. Yeah, but here I is just, this immediate bit of action. Exactly, I can't, and it was, I, I found it much harder in the, 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 the final set piece of this film. I just don't know what's going on, honestly, and I'm basically, I'm not thrilled other than I know something exciting is happening. I'm waiting for that all to settle down so I can see what's happened at the end, so I can work out what just happened in the action sequence, because I, I just can't work them out in this kind of, I, 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 yeah. I find them frustrating and hard to follow. And e- even if we know that, let us say, Jim is fighting for his life. Yes. What we're getting is a sequence of Jim is in peril. Jim is in peril, and yeah. w- without you know, is he gaining? Is he holding the guy off? Step back a bit, get a get a slightly calmer camera, and I think you you get some sense of he is making progress, or he is yeah he is going under, and he's got to come up with something clever, which, which gives you the more narrative angle on it. I think ra- yeah, this is rather than just realistic- excitement. Uh, yeah, this is kind of the CNN. It's all chaos. The platoon kind of. No one knows what's happening, which is, yeah, I, I get the chaos of boring that, but I, I'm not actually there, and I, I want to know what the stakes are, which I do understand at the beginning of the action sequence, and then I want to know what's happening, and I just, I just can't follow any of these pretty much. They're, they're all jump cut between a slight, you know, point of view infected, and, and then, uh, you know, close ups of our protagonist looking scared, and that, they, they're all like that, and I, I, I don't, 
I don't like it. I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and unfortunately, that does seem to have been a big influence. I, this wasn't. Yeah, the I, I, I think uh, CNN member will have been a big influence on on this style in general. And the next yeah. year, we'd get uh, the Battlestar Galactica remake. That st- the pilot for that was 2003. All this um, kind of shaky cam stuff. And I yeah. don't mind that. I mean, it does genuinely give you a, a more of a feeling of realism. But when they're doing it for action sequences, I find it uh, difficult. But th- it's that interesting that this this was largely shot pre nine eleven, or at least they they'd started principal photography before that happened. So a lot of the things like you know the big wall of messages, yeah, yeah, was I, from other disasters, not from that one. Yes, yeah. Um, I, I I have a lot of respect think, for, well, the, for the shooting setup here. It was pre nine seven, wasn't it? Or the, the yeah, that, no, that 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 was a few years later. Yeah. Um, um, it's interesting. It was, of course, it was pre-COVID, but seeing deserted streets um, doesn't seem that weird to us now. They, they did some really good, interesting shooting setups on this you know, with, with the permits and so on. But basically, start to finish, twenty minutes at five in the morning or six in the morning, they were shooting in summer, so they'd have daylight. Yes, you know, I read, we, we will those. set up. We will get our shot off the deserted street, and th- this is why you have things like the traffic lights still being on because they it is help. it is an actual street at six in the morning. But that, but, that but, scene with the bus on its side, they did that in 20 minutes, I think. They put the bus down, they shot it, they took the bus up again all within 20 minutes. It was quite incredible. Yeah, and fr- from a technical filmmaking point of view, I'm seriously impressed with that, and particularly having heard the stories about Lost in Translation. We have to see, see that episode. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, I do think there was some CGI involved in editing out any things that slipped into frame. And, and it's not complete, but yeah. But, uh, well, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it works, doesn't it? That seeing deserted yeah. streets perhaps just don't seem as weird to us now <laughs> as they used to. <laughs> um, but yeah, then, so they escape London through that, that's, uh, well, ha- having place. received a radio message. Yes. Uh, uh, and th- this is why Manchester specifically. I mean, obviously nobody would go to Manchester for any other reason. Steady on. But I must admit, it wouldn't be my first post-apocalyptic choice. Um, I mean, visually, there's lots of, uh, again, in a way, there's a lot of kind of similarities to Children of Men visually. And I would like Hmm. to mention Children of Men because that is a film that I eventually called a masterpiece. Maybe I've slightly cooled on it since, but (laughs) my biggest reason for calling it a masterpiece was the action pieces, the set pieces were very clear, really thrilling, and lots of moving spinning tops all at once. Mm. You could follow all of it um, very easily. I I wish more sequences were like that, because I I struggled here to follow everything. Um, But yeah, the the kind of post-apocalyptic abandoned Britain... um, Children of Men didn't invent that, but it feels like there was some... I mean, Danny Boyle's a very accomplished director, and I really like little visual touches, like um, we get a shot, when we're inside Frank's apartment, we get a shot, and you just see in uh, sort of very close up the fish tank, and then you notice the fish tank is almost completely empty, and the fish are struggling in about an inch of water. Mm -hmm. Frank is the kind of guy, he's drained the fish's water, he can't quite bring himself to kill the fish, he's left them some fish, and it's just little visual Mm -hmm. flair like that, and and that's... um, you totally get that from meeting Frank. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, they head up to Manchester, and, and yeah, we haven't really touched the the characters, but they're all they're all really well drawn. Um, Jim is uh, he's a good person and slightly bemused and still very young. Yeah, um, perhaps perhaps a bit of a cipher, uh, but but he yeah. has a lot. But he has a lot of catching up to do. So yes, uh, we have Selena, as we said, who's this really 
uh, tough character who realises there's more, and then we have this this nice father daughter relationship. And, and Brendan Gleeson, I think, is I always like Brendan Gleeson. He's very good in in everything I've seen him in. But it's, it might be our first ribbon of memes that we've talked about. I, I think um, so. Also, it's nice to see him getting away from the whole hard man thing, which he he does a lot of. Well, um, the other thing, yes, because uh, he's got a lot of heart here. He's doing a what sounds to me like a good London accent because he's. Um, uh, I, I, I grew up in London. It didn't sound horribly wrong. Okay, good, good. <laughs> um, and Cillian, Cillian Murphy has since this basically ended up with a lot of bad guy roles, which is a shame because he's very kind of soulful. And I can see why, because towards the end he does um, first blood it up a bit, I suppose. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, uh, so it's a, it's a uh, there's a surprising warmth to it, and then we get to the more standard Romero. Uh, these soldiers are awful, <laughs> um, yeah. and uh, we've we've basically used this radio message to lure people here because I was about to have a mutiny. This is the major. Um, well, it does seem to be the only people who've been lured, but yeah, which it didn't work tremendously well. But he did manage to lure uh, some women, which is what he promised his men. Um, and the military here are basically awful squaddy types, <laughs> um, um, and that's. I, it felt realistic to me as a non-military person. As you say, it felt a bit... Um, it's not I how mean, the military the, normally this is, this is not how things would be happening if discipline hadn't broken down, but it has. But it clearly has, yeah. And it seems a plausible way for it to go, yeah. given given the lack of central authority and all the rest of it. And then there's a nice touch when we have the um, the... The good sergeant, again, whose name I've got, I've been totally thrown by watching 28 Weeks Later, really. Um, <laughs> but the, the guy who points out, you know, this can't Farrell? be happening. Farrell, yes, who, who basically points out, this can't be happening all over the world. Think about, and that, I really appreciated that because my, despite my many problems with the science behind this, he's saying, all right, given that it's so infectious, how would anyone like that? No one would get on a plane. It doesn't make any sense that this could have spread to the rest of the world. It is um, a bit surprising that nobody's picked up any radio broadcasts. Well, that's, but... yeah, maybe, maybe there was different <laughs> tech. Um, well, yeah, uh, there were more shortwave radios out there, particularly that hand cranked one. That, yeah. that, that's a model that does have shortwave bands, which, which will propagate well, particularly at night. So you think he would have heard something from France? I mean, London, it's closer to, it's closer to France than Manchester, presumably, in that, in that, or some parts of France. Anyway, um, I, I did like the, the pontification that actually we've been quarantined in the UK mm. um, as, it, as it turns out that is, that is correct it, uh, as we find out later that um, Jim sees a, a plane flying overhead we missed um, Frank's demise and, and again my other annoyance you know a corpse with congealed blood but live virus still inside it to infect on contact with mucous membranes within less than a minute I just don't buy it but okay yeah I mean if if you dumped a load of adrenaline into somebody's vein, I think they would take longer to get get uh, antsy than <laughs> the, the infection time we have here. Yes, yeah. I it's just uh, I did quite like the kind of the the way the infected move and the kind of it feels a bit of a mm. cliche now because it was so influential. But at, at the time, that was a revelation. The kind of um, I do think. Oh well, we'll talk about. 28 weeks later and Robert Carlyle probably hams it up a bit in the, in the yeah. later um, but so, uh, so so staying here I mean I alright I do feel that your typical squaddy is probably a bit better at hand to hand fighting than your typical bike messenger and there, there, <laughs> there, there is one fight yes. where they are just one on one no ambushes yeah. and I, I just don't find that especially plausible even if he is 
enraged and all the rest of it. But unless yeah. he's had, yeah, he's not had any training, and uh, yeah, I agree. And also his plan of let's release an infected into the building where the two people I'm trying to rescue are. I'm not sure that's the best <laughs> idea either, but it works out all right. Um, well, one of the things, uh, to be fair, nobody here is is any sort of infection disease specialist. Um, but if they were, then I think they would be sensibly saying, this isn't quite like a normal infectious disease. You know, nor- normal yes. disease, it breaks out, you infect one person, and then they quarantine themselves. Yes. Uh, whereas here, what, it breaks out, and then, then the, you, you get the straight exponential growth as soon as they get to a crowd. Yeah, I mean, I do accept that one of the... So, so, what, so what you'd really want is some sort of compartmentalisation. You know, when, uh, yeah. when the when the alarm goes up and that there are infected inside the compound, everybody's going to shut themselves in wherever they are. Yeah, you would think that they would have. Yes, the, there's a different protocol for this disease given how different it is. But yeah, we'll we'll come back to that. Um, um, yeah. There's a there's actually a good reason for the heron to take her top off. Yes, yeah, and um, <laughs> that was that was uh, well done. And to be fair. We get more male nudity here than we yeah. get. I, it was I, I do nice. feel that if it's raining, you probably actually take a shirt off the guy you killed. But I yeah, don't know why maybe he was in a hurry. He, he was. He was in a hurry. But <laughs> I, still, in Murphy, we see much more of his anatomy than we do yeah. um, uh, of uh, uh, Celine's character, Naomi yeah. Harris, which I greatly appreciated because uh, I, I, I was worried there was going to be. Oh, now we have to see everything of Naomi Harris, and we didn't. Mm. Just um, and so that was that was a nice moment. Uh, well, it was a nice moment. It was. Uh, it felt given that. Yeah, I mean, given that we know it's, we know whatever the director says that this is a zombie film, we know that that sort of thing is a thing that may well happen. Yes. It's done well. It didn't have to be there at all, but if it's going to be there. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and then we have, um, that, well, there's the weird ending where, um, we, uh, basically, the, the, Antagonist Christopher Eccleston is just pulled out the back window by a lucky zombie attack, which I, again that felt a bit. De- oh, I don't want to say ex machina because that's a completely different <laughs> um, kettle of uh, garlands. But um, uh, it felt I found the whole. Last I mean, certainly sequence. from from a narrative point of view, he has to be killed by the by the zombie he's been keeping chained he up. Does. Not going to argue with that. Um, but it, it, they could have done it a bit better i but the whole like, i did lose interest in the whole last sequence because i just found it confusing it's largely set in dark rooms mm-hmm. of giant mansions um it's hard to immediately identify who's who um because yep. it's all yep. done flashy and quick um and by the time i've worked out who's in this particular sequence that one's finished and then there's another one going on so again i found myself largely just waiting until the next bit where i could work out what was happening really yeah well, so uh, I... just before that, um, there, there is, I mean, obviously this unit has a history and we, we learn bits of it. Um, but they seem very cavalier with their ammunition supply. <laughs> yes, yeah. Even though, I mean, yes, they are mostly firing short bursts, which is nice compared with your standard, uh, soldiers on film. But they're awfully free with their fire. Uh, yeah, all right. The the uh, the L eighty five, the SA eighty, doesn't have a three round burst option. Okay, you just basically but, full auto or not. So it is nice to see the short controlled bursts, but I would be expecting to see single shots. 
But yeah, yep. also, where did the major get his blues from? His, uh, his, his uniform. Right. The, 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 the non-camo smock uniform that he gets into for the dinner. Because, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. presumably they were deployed as some sort of emergency response thing. With, well, with, maybe with just supplies. Order the manor just happened to have the right. Yeah, yeah maybe you would <laughs> kept that just in case. Yeah, I agree. Um, that that was the sort of thing that was, was irking me. I mean, it could be they were the worst soldiers left behind. But <laughs> how, how come they were the ones left behind in that case? Um, I, the, but uh, as you say, it's believable, or at least. Yeah, you go with it because it's there's an element of kind of Colonel Kurt's kind of breakdown of. Um, hmm. uh, well, that, the, that's the, the thing. It it works as the scene on the surface. It just doesn't work with the background that we've had told. No, that's that's a fair point. Um, the, 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 but I I think this is probably as good a point as any before we get to the end of the plot. Yes. In a zombie film, in a in an actual zombie film that admits it's a zombie film. Yes. You can say weird undead metabolism. They they just keep going. Yeah, yeah. We don't see them eating here. What do they eat? You, know, you, you need something if you're going to be vomiting up blood on command. Where, well, where do, right. what do they, they eat? They what do they drink? Pretty dehydrated, and that, to me, that was an awful lot of fluid they were emitting. I mean, to be fair, it later gets explained that they all starve to death. Um, but they're pretty active. Maybe they just right. Adrenaline is a is a pretty powerful thing. But these are supposed to be humans. Just mm. infected humans, and even a rabid dog, which I suppose is the closest equivalent, is, is not going to be up and running around for that long. I mean, with rabies, you get this awful hydrophobia, but you, you, you don't run around for a month after that manic phase mm. uh, starts itself. But again, if you, uh, yeah, you're right, as you say, if, if you're going to say this is weird cosmic radiation from the thing that came back, but they're saying no, it's a virus, and there's so many problems with that here. Um, I, it seems to me as if that, that's the sort of uh, surface justification in, in order for us to make a zombie film. Whereas if if you took it seriously, you know, maybe get an actual science fiction writer in, work through some of the implications, you you could potentially have got a more interesting film, though probably a less, less bitey one. <laughs> <laughs> probably. But I, I suppose what I can, um, despite my many issues with it, at least it does establish the ground rules and then, because that's important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then it is internally consistent even if it doesn't make sure. a lot of sense it does sure. stick with it except for as you say how how they're eating or whatever but it does sort of address that later um in that they all die because they're not and, eating yeah rarely for a zombie film there is actually some sort of sense of hope well this is interesting because i had seen 28 days later um and i've got the dvd and so the way this ends is that um Colonel Kurt sorry, Christopher Eccleston shoots um <laughs> uh shoots Jim uh and uh, they rush him to a hospital. He goes into a coma again and wakes up another twenty eight days later, I think, in a lovely farmhouse in the in the Cumbria the Lake District or something. Mm-hmm. Um and then we have this hopeful ending that they're probably going to get rescued. I had watched the alternative endings to this and completely misremembered how the actual film ended. <laughs> so for me, I remembered Jim dying from the gunshot wound and them leaving the hospital with him dead and, and walking off to an uncertain future, which is and apparently how the film actually ended originally. Well, no, not not exactly. Uh, the, the, the Jim Lives is the canonical original release ending. Yes, but there was a uh, in the US release after the initial opening. It was re-released as twenty-nine days later, which had the same film, but then had the 
might have been Jim Dye's ending tacked on after the credits. I like a what if uh, yeah. ending, yeah. Uh, um, there was also a hybrid, uh, where you get the ending in Cumbria, but it's just Selena and Hannah without Jim. Actually, that, now, now you mention it, that is the one I remember, that she's talking to Jim, um, and you think he's survived, but it turns out she's not talking to him at all. She's talking to some rabbit or something in the corner. I can't quite remember the details, but. And um, there was another one which got storyboarded, but not filmed with some sort of research, basically changes most of the second half of the film. Um, yes. Frank is restrained. Uh, there's some sort of research lab shenanigans going on. Uh, Jim gives Frank a transfusion to save him, but then gets infected himself. And it, it's not very clear, and I, I think it was probably a good, good idea not to film it. Now, I was surprised. I read about that one, and I read they decided not to do that one because it seemed scientifically implausible. <laughs> <laughs> Even- eventually, the hammering gets through. <laughs> <laughs> Even then, um, yes, they, they managed to reach a, reach a point where they couldn't cope with it anymore. I, so I was expecting the whole way through... 28 days later, Jim to die at the end, because that's mm-hmm. how I remembered it. And so I was so pleased that he didn't, and I was so happy that it had a, a more uplifting ending. Yeah. And I don't, I, I, I found it, I, I really appreciate, I, I, I'm someone who through my life say, oh, I don't want a happy ending, I want the, the appropriate ending. And I, in some ways, him dying on the hospital bed brings him full circle, um, cause he, you know, that's where he started. Oh, I, I believe there was another one that it was all a dream. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, okay. so he gets to the hospital and then he wakes up and he's in the original hospital. Yeah, I can see why they didn't do that. <laughs> um, but I, uh, so maybe it was because I misremembered it and fully expecting it and I was so pleasantly surprised that he didn't die. Um, I'd also remember Jim being a much meaner character, but he was much warmer and nicer. I, I don't know why I remember that. <laughs> I think I have merged weeks and days together in my head, cause, mm. which we'll come on to pretty shortly. Um, but yeah, I agree. There's a, there's a warmth and a humanity and a hope to this zombie film that there isn't in a lot of them, and I really responded to that. Yeah, I mean, there's sort of vaguely positive with Dawn, but not very. No, uh, uh, yes, it, it has a happier ending. Again, a happier ending than was originally written with Dawn, where they, I think mm. they all died at the end of Dawn. But Though, I, I think, I mean, as an occasional author of fiction, and you as a more serious author of fiction, um, I, I think we would, we would agree that you have to have a, have the single version of the story and commit to it, damn it. Unless you're writing a choose your own adventure book. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. You've got to go with what, and, and if, I suppose as an author, I probably would have gone for the one where Jim dies, I'm afraid, because that feels like that, I'm not saying that's right, that's probably what I would have done, because my instinct would have been that's what the narrative demands. But I was so pleasantly surprised with the happy ending that um, mm. I, I'm not, I don't think it was the wrong narrative thing to do. It didn't, it didn't feel like a cop out. It didn't feel unrealistic. It just felt, um, good. In fact, I gather what happened is they ran out of budget. The taxi was driving off the, off the drive, uh, <laughs> off, off the military side and they ran out of budget and just finished it there. And the studio said, have some more money, do another ending. <laughs> Amazingly. Anyway, 28 days later, um, I guess uh, I've, I've just got to say Rogers Aviation Corner. Oh, okay. You, you knew this was coming. Uh, yes. So th- there's that plane at the end. Yes. The the yeah. Okay. If, That's an RAF plane, isn't it? But no. Yeah, could, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it is the the mark. You, you don't get a good look at it. I, I did do no. some freeze framing here. To be fair. Okay. Um, it's got Finnish Air Force markings. Oh, has it? Nuts. Okay. Uh, but it is not an FA-18, which is what the Finnish Air Force were actually operating at this point. Okay. Uh, it looks to me like a fallen gnat, 
which they retired in 1972. <laughs> okay. But obviously there are a lot of them preserved. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's a thing you could plausibly hire. The, the other problem is it has about, um, 500 mile range on internal fuel, 1000 miles if, if you load it up with tanks. And so getting from Finland to Cumbria seems relatively unlikely. Well, I didn't pick that up in the half a second that it, it was on the screen. Yeah, but well. <laughs> fair enough. Well, I suspect Roger's aviation corner might feature a bit more heavily in 28 weeks later. Um, <laughs> along, along with an apology, but yes. Okay. But, but yeah, mostly, let, let's, you know, finishing this off, I, mostly yes. I like it. Ah, yes, I, 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 I don't like agree it. with everything, but mostly it works. I, I would put it in the line with Night of the Living Dead. Dawn of the Dead, rather than saying this is an amazing new thing. Yes, but it feels like but, but, a fresh. But that, take that is on with it. respect. And it, it also, yeah, I think I was surprised because I always remember what it brought to the genre was fast zombies, which hmm. it did. But it, the, what surprised me this time round that I didn't remember was that the kind of the warmth of the characters and the humanity. I know we have the awful military characters, but the the kind of the friendship and um, I really appreciated that. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think from a technical point of view, the very fast infection may be a thing as well. I mean, it, it was oh, yeah, pretty, yeah, it was yeah, pretty yeah. fast in Night of the Living Dead, but it's very fast here. Uh, here it is, you know, uh, yeah, you, you have less than a minute. Um, also, of course, the term infected, uh, which would be used in Left for Dead, computer oh, yeah. game when that came out. Left for Dead, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, Left for Dead uh, clearly had an influence on Left for Dead, which I spent far too many hours playing in my time. <laughs> um, and then we have a sequel 28 hmm. weeks later. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, now I remember this uh, being uh, a pretty good sequel to a pretty good film. Uh, my my mem- I remembered the the opening the farmhouse opening so hmm. what we have here this is 28 weeks later but we start with a, a prequel um not a prequel but we have a sort of all different cast but the same thing has happened and we have another story of what happened we have the these people holed up in a cottage um which is then assaulted by the infected and we have um robert carlyle's character don forced uh, with very little time to think or or do anything to I would, I mean, I would say kind of forced to abandon his wife or made a, a tough decision, um, and survived and quite right. I, I think he makes wife. a panicky decision. He makes a panicky decision. It's not a well thought out, I'm going to regret this for the rest of my life decision, but it turns out there is something he is going to regret for the rest of his life, even though it's not, <laughs> it's not that much longer. Hmm. Um, I, I, I have a lot of time for Robert Carlyle as an actor, but that would not be on the basis of his performance here. A, because his character's kind of an asshole and uh, B, we'll come back to in the second uh, half. Well, <laughs> I, I, I like, I remember that being a really interesting decision, um, because he, he's abandoned his wife, um, and then we, uh, are, uh, but quite rightly assumes that she's going to die. Um, well, not quite rightly, but quite reasonably. Um, and then we have what's happening later, and uh, a British civilization is starting again on the Isle of Dogs, for all of all places, which feels both very depressing and weirdly appropriate. <laughs> um, well, all right. So th- this is the other half of Roger's Aviation Corner. Okay, let's uh, because we we get a beautiful shot of London City Airport. Yes. And this is an airport I know quite well. I used to live close to it. Okay. And then we have a plane landing at it. And that plane is a Boeing 737. 
or possibly a 757 in some shots, and which is far too big to land at City Airport, which only has a 4,000-foot runway. Oh, okay. And, and the shots on the ground, if you know your airports, and, yeah, all right. I, I, <laughs> I, I know a guy who will watch a World War II film and shout, but that's Helvetica. I, I'm trying <laughs> okay. not to be that guy. But, but that's not London City Airport. But the thing about London City is it is tiny. The thing that makes it distinctive at right, all yeah, is yeah. that it is tiny. You, you can see the, um, single terminal with, yeah. with, with the ramps on that approach shot. And then we're at Stansted. Uh, with multiple terminals, <laughs> multiple piers, all the rest of it. The American military put all that up in, in the short time <laughs> they've been there. D- during the approach, because it's not there in the first shot of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they quickly... T- Fair enough, yeah. Um, that's... But well, yeah, it... they, they painted three different planes in this weird non-livery. And I can't stop thinking, wouldn't it have been easier just to go to City Airport and shoot a BAE 146 landing? Yeah. And people yeah. getting off it. <laughs> I, well, I, it feels like a weirdly roundabout way to do it, unless they wanted. Well, I don't know. Yeah, that seems fair to me. Um, but that is uh, my problems with twenty-eight days later are all here in twenty-eight weeks later. Only more so, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. Um, so we have uh, basically the British civil. It was quarantined, as suggested in the first film. All the well, I, I think now, the idea is that the country has, has become more or less empty. Maybe a few survivors were picked up. Yeah, and there's uh, some, it, it, um, I, obviously I, I can't consider non-film um, material as uh, directly relevant to understanding the film, but as I understand it, uh, there there is a comic that has uh, Selena in a refugee camp in Norway, for okay. example. Well, I haven't read. It. I mean, I'm not I'm not so into the the law that I was that. Uh, as far as as far as I'm concerned, the film is the film, and it needs to stand as a film. Yes, it does. Yeah, but so the idea is that. NATO or the US military? I think they refer to themselves as actually the US military. What, what we see is the US, certainly. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know whether they're acting as part of NATO. It seems to suggest they're acting independent. God knows what diplomatic wrangles have gone on here. But anyway, the they are in charge of repatriating people from refugee camps, I think, back into the, the, the UK. I, I, and I think there's some suggestion that, you know, they're just sort of opening it to settlement, I yeah, yeah, that people have applied to, like, come back and repopulate. Um, I, I, I must admit, my, my immediate thought is, you know, the, alright, there, there is a bit of coal, but the UK is not so amazingly rich in natural resources that you would rush in to get land there. Well, I would, it struck me that, like, she was saying, oh, we even have electricity here and hot and cold running water. And they're like, oh, like, in, in these what? three buildings you could live in, yeah. In these three buildings. <laughs> Like we have in the rest of the world, then why am I coming back mm-hmm. here to live in live in bloody Canary Wharf? I, it seemed very strange to me, <laughs> but um, I, I like that it's trying to um, take a different approach, and it feels like it's trying to do the. Uh, this is Aliens to the first film's Alien. This is a very mm. different, you know. This is more military based. It's more shooty, and it had this really interesting setup of Don's decision very early on. Um, and he's haunted by that guilt, and we have his children arriving, and he lies to them about what happened to his wife. And I think that's a really good, you know, you, 
uh, you say you, you weren't sure about his performance, but I thought that bit where he's telling his yeah, the, the performance here is 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 solid. I mean, I didn't yeah. like the character, but I'm not meant to like the character. That's fair enough. Well, I suppose one of my issues is I I had more sympathy. With, you know, he is in this. He had to make this split second decision that he then has always regretted, presumably. But he's he's just turned into a sort of a villain because of that. And I I think there were interesting things you could say about survivor guilt. You know, because mm. a lot of survivors and he didn't. Really to get time to and he, no we didn't get much about that i thought the story was going to be about don and his wife because then we have this amazing twist that his kids run off to their old house and find out the wife's still alive and i think there's a lot to explore there about you know when you are a survivor of these tragedies you know often you are the person who took the shortcuts and didn't stop to help and uh because they all drowned or died or got burned mm-hmm. or whatever you know uh, and i think there was something to explore there but i felt it was kind of pissed away pretty quickly because it turns out she's a carrier the one thing that i feel you know you do get carrier states and this virus has a carrier state and she's asymptomatic apart from one one bad eye um well i like the fact that his the wife isn't completely asymptomatic there's suggestions that she is uh quicker to rage um and uh, that you know there are factors to it. it doesn't get very explored very much um but the carrier status i think is a really good explanation of how it does get to the rest of the world, uh, which, spoilers, it, it does <laughs> by the end yeah, of this film. Yeah, though, uh, I mean, in the first film, no, as, as you said, no, nobody involved was seriously trying to do research into this thing and contain it and so on. They were yeah. just trying to survive. Here, we have people who know it, who know how it spreads, who know how infectious it is. Yeah. And they're wearing standard surgical scrubs. <laughs> yes, and they have this... Oh, they, 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 you know, they, they really should be in hazmat gear. They should be in hazmat gear. And you started me off again. She looks down a microscope at one point and sees the virus swimming about. Oh, <laughs> oh! I can't. Anyway, I will try not. To, I won't, but that is not. So uh, somebody's recently posted a list of worst science photos, and um, I, I think one of them was some, some you know genetic manipulation. And somebody's actually holding up a, a, a DNA model and applying pliers to it. <laughs> it, it it's that kind of level of uh, oh. order of magnitude. It's not an electron microscope. Anyway, um, yeah. Oh, and also the the kind of the vague suggests she must have a genetic mutation that was apparently linked to um uh multiple uh, uh the the heterochromia. Uh, heterochromia. Thank you. Apparently, uh, genetically linked to heterochromia, though not. Qu- there was a picture of an iris in two halves. I was. I think that's supposed to be a composite shot of both eyes. I think so. Yeah. Than, Good. Okay. I was a bit worried for a minute. Uh, this is the the level of respect I hold it. I was like, I thought it <laughs> thought heterochromia might mean you've got two colours in the same iris, but I I think you're right. I think it was a composite shot of both both irises. Oh, anyway, and and that scientist character that um, uh, what was the name of the actress? Uh, uh, Rose Byrne. Oh, she is such a. I'm I'm sorry. I was utter. I so. It's nice to have female character but she is such a wet useless character i just <laughs> i really did not respond to her acting at all and per- perhaps because she was introduced looking down a microscope and, and looking up and going there's no question about it the virus is in his blood oh, fuck off uh, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> this time around maybe i wasn't looking at microscopes so much um but i just her character was just what did she i mean did she not understand the implications then that you know this is a carrier we need to be really careful um i mean as as it is all right again we have worked with infectious disease people yeah and they tend to be really damn paranoid 
Exactly. So at, have... at the point where she's saying, you know, your eye looks weird, that would be the point at which you start applying the full isolation, positive pressure ventilation, all the rest of it. She's got a uh, a great uh, a, a, a basic surgical mask, and she's wearing scrubs. And I th- I, ch- I think she is wearing gloves when she's looking at this woman, mm-hmm. um, and not I, and. And then she doesn't immediately, you know, she's supposed to, well, I, I suppose she's supposed actually to be a, a an army doctor. So maybe she yeah. isn't a medical infectious disease specialist. But the implication... Though, though you would have, think with the entire US army to draw from, they would probably choose somebody who is. You would think so. And, and the implications immediately of the potential of a carrier status of this virus should have dawned on her instantly. And they don't. And I, I just... Ugh. Uh, so I, I, her character, I just had no interest in. Uh, after mm. that, I, I do feel Roseburn has had uh, uh, several bad shakes. Um, okay. She, there, there have been a few things I've seen her in, uh, and I particularly remember Spy, which is a uh, Melissa McCarthy vehicle from I think 2015, right? Uh, which I found terrible, utterly unwatchable, except for <laughs> okay. her. Except for, okay, fair enough. Well, she, she is a female villain who is not sexualized. Well, that, I, uh, well, her character here is not sexualized either. To yeah, be I mean, that, she, that, she, she was definitely the best thing there. And she was, to me, actually one of the better things here, but in terms of the acting. Well. Specifically, but, but I agree, I, her role is not up to much. No, and I, I also worried there was a bit of, I have a uterus, therefore I'm going to be a bit maternalistic. And it, it, it yeah. didn't feel quite the same way. It didn't feel quite as natural as Frank being the father figure in 28 Days Later. Mm. Um, oh, there, there is one thing about Rose Byrne which I think is relevant to the production of this film, because um, you know, Danny Boyle and Alex Garland and indeed Cillian Murphy all said, well, you know, I'd love to work on this, but I have to work on Sunshine instead. They, they, they were all involved in that. Fair enough, yeah. Rose Byrne is also in in Sunshine, <laughs> okay, with with, right. with quite a substantial role. Oh, so that's blown away there. Okay, so yeah. I, I I can't help feeling that at some point, some you know, maybe it was Boyle who jumped first. I don't know, but at some point, everybody involved in the first film said, "I oh, know I got something else to do." I'm too busy. They were uh, producers, I think, or executive producers, which basically uh, uh, they yeah. didn't do anything. At I, I believe Danny Boyle did actually get involved in some second unit work and may have been involved in the shooting of the farm scene at the start. Well, uh, that's my favourite scene in the whole film. I must which say. I, I, I was reading earlier is apparently the same farm we saw in Children of Men. Oh, right. I, no, I didn't. I, you told me that earlier, and I, uh, I still didn't recognise it. But then you don't see much of it because it's all in the jumpy yeah. <laughs> shots. Uh, yeah, e- even even more than the first time. Lots of shaky cam, lots of quick cuts, lots of. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the action sequence here, uh, as I say, like Twenty Eight Days Later, only more so. I just I could struggle to follow anything that was going on at all. We yeah, have, th- um, this, this is uh, Fresno Dio's second film as director after Intacto, which I haven't seen. Apparently, is a Magical realism thriller about um, stealing luck from people, which fair enough. Okay, well, sounds interesting, but very different to to this sort of thing. It yeah. felt like he was going for Danny Boyle's style of direction, who may himself have been trying to go for Alfonso Cuarón's style of direction. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but certainly, I don't feel like he can match Danny Boyle's skill here. Mm. Is that would you feel that? Too? Yeah, I, I agree. And to some extent, it's. I, I am making a copy of this film, but I don't really understand what worked. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm going to hit all the touchstones and have the same soundtrack and the same kind of lighting. Yeah, and 
that, that, that whole four note thing. Uh, all right, the the, compos- the the soundtrack was written in two weeks, but it really shows. <laughs> uh, it felt, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, we have Jeremy Renner, um, who we quite quite seen. early in his career. Yeah, and I, I actually his character is the one with heart and humanity. Uh, I suppose Rose Byrne's character is supposed to too, but his again, I don't. I, I think I, I do warm to him as a character, but I, I don't know how realistic he is as an army sniper type character. In fact, the whole, mm. should we talk about the whole military regime here with Idris Elba as this kind of, oh, you could have just picked him out of Hollywood cliche number one commander. <laughs> let's plonk him in. He just, ah, oh, forget the protocol. Let's go to Code Red and all this. I mean, he still sells it because he's still Idris Elba. But. He's still Idris Elba, and he's very slow and thoughtful and powerful. And yes, you can see why he became from here a superstar. But uh, the character yeah. is, yeah. Uh, this is also the first significant role for Imogen Poots. Uh, her second film role, but the first one was in V for Vendetta, where she, where she uh, was the younger version of Valerie. Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. Uh, but I mean, I don't think she hasn't. Well, well, I think we may come back to her a bit. So, um, yeah, let, let, let's deal a little more with the, uh, f- the, the first 45% of the film <laughs> yeah, right. b- before yeah. the outbreak. Yeah. Um, cause I, I was, I couldn't help getting a flashback to Half-Life when, when they're on the train and they're going past these scenes of oh, yeah, yeah. terrible stuff happening while, while the reassuring Soundtrack goes. <laughs> yeah. That 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 is very Half Life, particularly the bit with the hovering helicopter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Very point, very good point. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's a direct copy, but it was probably an influence. Yeah, Half Life was uh, much earlier than this, wasn't it? Yeah, ninety eight. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I I mean, my problem with the first half of the film is that I thought it was going to be Don and Susan's story. Is that right, Alice? Uh, Don and Alice. I don't know where Susan came from. Um, Don and Alice. And I. Yes, I agree. That that I, could have gone somewhere interesting, and it didn't. I think so, and I think you know Robert Carlyle's a great actor, and um, Alice is. Uh, she's getting a lot to do, but she looks like she's going to be a great actor. But then, where those characters are both thrown away, and we're expected to sort of transfer on, and and the the kind Ooh. of the the anguish. Ca- that 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 is Catherine McCormack who played uh, Greta Schroeder in Shadow of the Vampire. Oh, really? Oh, well, she's great then, because I in no way recognise <laughs> that. Well, that's what we're always talking about, if there's someone there that you don't even recognise, because they're very different. Um, hmm. Take that, Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, we're then expected, I feel, to transfer our sympathies instantly to the kids. Um, hmm. And, they're and not, their I, kids. Well, I know you, you're you not immediately keen on, on kid actors. The best. I don't think they're particularly objectionable as kid actors, and I think they are likeable, but we don't get enough of them. We don't know enough about them. I mean, these are kids that... And it doesn't really explore... Well, so... Millions, felt... millions of people died in the outbreak. Let's just hop over the wall. <laughs> yeah. I, I. Well, what is it... There's an interesting thing here that whereas um, 28 Days Later is about, you know, finding a new family and finding humanity and, and things being uh, uh, things being better for, for being together. And 28 Weeks Later, it feels much more like this is what happens with the disintegration of a family. Um, and these mm. are, you know, it's almost an analogy for a, the parents getting divorced and fighting each other and the kids having to pull together themselves. And I think that could have been a really interesting 
different take, but it it didn't really work because we, it just it never really we don't get enough of the kid. Like these children have just remet their dad, just discovered their mum is back alive again. Then within twenty four hours they're both dead, and there's no kind of I mean both the parents are dead mm. again, and that is. Aside, again, they're shell shocked, but there's no exploration as to what that does to their psyche and how it. It's just a sort of a given that they're together, and it's it doesn't. I don't know. I, it felt like it was badly handled. That whole thing. if it was supposed to be an allergy for divorce, which maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't as clever as that. But I feel like they were. It, it could something. easily have been. Yeah, and and it, it wasn't, and consequently, I'm afraid I didn't. From the point where the outbreak happens. I didn't really have any characters that I gave a crap about, unfortunately. Mm. And that's that's a shame. Jeremy Renner's character is the closest to that. Uh, but so so pre outbreak, that's where I, I felt like it was two different stories and we have a different set of characters, none of whom in the second half are as interesting as any of the ones in twenty eight days later. Mm. And then the way the military acts, I don't know. It well felt... all right, let, let let's start with Alice. So Yes. Yeah, we, we've given the spoiler warning, right? Uh, yeah. So, in the situation at the start of the film, Alice yes. survives. Yes. She is bitten at least once. Yeah. But she survives. So that, that suggests that they, they don't attack their own. And, and that's consistent with the outbreak because they spread rather than just attacking each other. Yeah, that because it's it's not clear how she survived. But when you get a brief flashback of her running amongst some trees, and she's not chased by anything, so presumably they've left her alone. And, and she got out of that immediate fatal situation. Yes, yes. And yet, when Don gets infected because nobody understands security or anything else, <laughs> oh, he yes. immediately murderizes her. Yeah. And, and in a weird echo of exactly the way that um, uh, Jim murderises someone in 28 Days Later with the whole eyeballs, thumbs to the eyeballs mm-hmm. technique, um, which is that, you know, that's a considered way of murdering. He's, I don't, it's never really explored here, but is Don supposed to be semi-immune, sort of a, a clever infected? Is that the idea? The, I, well, I, he, he's certainly portrayed acting that way. I don't think there's any justification given. Yeah, there's not really any idea. I agree. It doesn't make any sense why he beats it today, unless he has some element of free will, in which case, I don't know why he does it, though. Uh, I just, and, and having praised Robert Carlyle's acting, I must say his zombie transformation is a bit over the top. <laughs> compared, <laughs> compared to what everyone else has we've seen, there's a lot of gurning and racking about. I just felt a bit... I, I, to have that character there, who I was interested in, intimately popping up again... As well, I don't really know what the other than to have this kind of poignant moment at the end where his daughter then shoots him to death, mm-hmm. or double death, or whatever it is. Um, I don't death I again. Don't, it all felt a bit forced and not. I, I don't know quite what it was trying to say there, other than oh well, this is even shittier than you thought. She's now got to shoot her dad to death. It felt. The whole film felt... The family that murders each other keeps murdering each other. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it lost the thing that we've just been talking about, that the 28 Days Later had this warmth to it and this humanity, and there's just none of that in 28 Weeks Later, I don't think. In fact, it's almost the opposite. It's much more like the Romero, we're all shits and we're all going to die, and we all hate it. Uh, Well, yeah, that that, that to me is the the biggest distinction, quite separately from the, um, you know, the bigger shaky cam and so on. Yeah. The, there was hope in the first film. 
And yeah. e- even if Jim had died, there was some hope. Yes, yeah. And whereas this is, if you are loving, if you are kind, if you are pleasant, the universe will shit on you. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <exactly>. yeah. <laughs> Don't do that, kids. It's a much kind of nastier film. I don't mean that. I don't, that's cruel to it, but it, it it hasn't got that warmth of message. But every time somebody does something positive, they're punished for it. Yeah, and so. even the fact that the kids survive in the end is a bad thing because actually they transmit the virus to the rest of um, Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, I I I I like as a kind of a escalation mechanic, but as a kind of it, it's really not a feel-good film. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I'd struggle to call Twenty-eight Days Later a feel-good film, but it. it kind but of it has is. that. It has that bit of hope, rather than. Yeah. So all the characters here are, are dicks, really, apart from Jeremy <laughs> Renner's character and the, the useless um, uh, non-scientist. <laughs> Je- Jeremy Renner, also known as the one sniper who has the slightest hesitation about gunning down civilians. Uh, well, that, I, I mean, yeah, that, is that, that whole thing, the code red and the fire bombing and that, I just, it didn't, what were they doing? I, I'm not, I'm not, well, yeah, that, that's the other thing. This is, I think it's fair to say it's an anti-military in, in the sense that it's saying the military are incompetent. But, yeah. but it's, I mean, there are ways in which it could, in which a military setup could well fail. Yeah. Uh, because of the limitations of the military mindset, but this isn't that. This this is like uh, being an anti-war activist who doesn't actually understand what the military is like, what the people in it are like. Well, I touched on this a bit earlier, and I, I, I you know, I was trying to say this is a bit like when you get a non-science fiction author writes a, a science fiction story and think they've thought mm. real. Actually, it'd be more accurate to say this is a bit like someone who isn't in the military imagining what the military would do and then saying, well, that's stupid, isn't it? This is how they were. Felt. When actually all those things have not that, not that specific situation, but all the things they're kind of saying, well, this is a dumb thing to do. Yes, the military would agree. And that's why they've got protocols not to work in exactly the way that they are portrayed to work here. Yeah. I mean, starting off with, you know, they, they, they have it, they are expecting that there might be an infection getting into the compound at some point. Yeah. You know, because they've got a plan for it, so they thought that this could happen. Yeah. So, I mean, th- think think about, for example, um, US in Iraq after the invasion. Yeah. Where you've got, you know, a, b- a bunch of civilians in the green zone uh, and and the occupiers um, working on that. So, and th- this may well have been an influence on the visual style. Um, that I, I don't think it's part of the film's message. I think it's just, well, you know, we we could get American. Ki- well, they couldn't get American kids actually, but never mind. Uh, <laughs> right. but the 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 US US military does not use aerospatial helicopters, and the, the main one we see is a gazelle, uh, which the British Army has, but the Americans don't. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so you know, they, they would they would have drills. They would say, you know, when the siren goes off. You put up your right hand if, and keep it there if you are not infected. Right, yes, yeah. Or something. Or, you know, they, they would say, shelter in place, barricade your door. Rather than they... haul you all into the same place where an infection can spread really quickly. Well, well there'd be compartmentalization, wouldn't there, really? They'd like, yeah. they'd cl- they know how quickly this thing spreads, so make it smaller, give it less space to spread, and then deal with it in that small space. I would have thought, I mean, I, it just, they, they, like... they, 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 the ragies avoid lights, so we will, we will not turn off the lights, we will have massive floodlights. <laughs> yeah, we'll have, yeah, exactly. I mean, these are, these are things they would have thought about, but, Anyway, anyway, it just felt, yeah, a bit, 
a bit rubs. Uh, uh, so the whole I mean, second... I, I, I don't have a lot of suspicion of disbelief here anyway, but that really wrecked what was left of it. I, I agree. I, I think the the kind of anti And then we have the action sequence. Well, uh, can, the helicopter where he scissors, scissors through a load of... Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> I, I, the, the first thing I thought about this was, this was the thing they were going to do as the climactic scene in Dawn of the Dead. I mean, it, that that was going to be static rather yeah. than flying, but that whole, you know, we'll use the rotor. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so they obviously didn't ask the helicopter pilot um, what he thought about this, because, yes, it's a thing that could sort of theoretically happen, but any little bit of blade damage can really well, throw off the rotor balance. I mean that. So he's, so he's presumably the the rotor. Now this is not a completely flat pitch. This is a lumpy ground, and his mm. rotor is within three feet of the ground. I mean, mm-hmm. I assumed when he was doing that, he was like, "Oh, this is suicide. I'm just going to smash into them," and then I'll, you know. But no, he scissors his way through the. It just, it was just nonsense. And for for, for that matter, if it's pitch, if it's um, pitched that far forward, you have to be going very fast because you've got the. Most much of your airflow is going backwards. It's, it's going to be put. Yeah, exactly. I just ah, uh, that felt like a completely that that's not true. That wouldn't happen. Kind of moment to me. I mean, they um, they, they they were chopping of of landing zones in Vietnam. That's the thing that did occasionally happen. That yeah. that was with much heavier rotors on much heavier helicopters, and even then, it wasn't good for them. Uh, yeah. Okay. And well, yeah. All so, right, fair so enough. Can, can we just drop back a bit? I mean, first of all, air cavalry are. Not ground attack aircraft, they're helicopter-borne infantry. But okay, all right, yes, yeah, so that's right. Okay. You've got this plan to kill all civilians anyway. If things get really horribly wrong, why not just say, "Okay, we've had an outbreak. We are now going to pull out and yeah. leave everything for another twenty-eight weeks." Exactly. That was that's what I thought. Why not? What are they saving by doing this? Nothing, because they they you would just be like all right evacuate give it another month and then everyone will be dead again order and if you can't do the evacuation because it's spreading too fast well fair enough but then you can just leave it you don't there, there is no point in fire bombing as well except what is what was the point in the... They're, they're, they're not protecting anything else at that point but it certainly put some explosions on screen. <laughs> I, I absolutely <laughs> and the agree. greenwich foot tunnel i'm a big fan of the greenwich foot tunnel so <laughs> yeah okay fair enough um uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. It, it made no sense to me why they would do that because it's not like there's anywhere else for them to escape to. The rest of England already dead. The rest of the UK. So, anyway, um, the but the but, other... but then I, I was not expecting to use this corner, but okay. we we are, we are indeed in Rogers' nerve gas corner. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um. Uh, well, that was my when you're in a car, that doesn't present nerve gas from coming into your car. Yeah, I mean, even the um, non... uh, If if it were something like tear gas, which which would be probably quite effective against living... I assume it was tear gas, because it looked like tear gas. Yeah, it does. Uh, (laughs) But even in that case, okay, so maybe it's quite a new car, so you actually need the engine running to to close the vents. Yeah, exactly. Um, And the engine wasn't running anyway. But but even if you could, it's not... even, Even if you could just throw a lever and close the vents, it's not a sealed box. You're going to get some leakage. No. Um, yes. And so what you'd want to do in that situation is probably damp down your masks to, to dissolve it a bit. Yes. Um, but this is nerve gas. It does not care about your masks. It will go through your skin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you really need very, very little of it to kill you. 
That, uh, my, I had a huge... Yeah, that whole scene made no sense. I mean, it wasn't clear what gas it was, but if it was tear gas, it had a funny effect on the... Inf- it, it, Unless the infected die because of tear gas. I don't know. But it looked I, like I believe they did actually neuro- say... Ner- I believe they did say nerve gas. They talk about some neurotoxin thing, in which case they would have all died in the car, as far as I can tell. Yeah, also most of them are colourless and odorless. You don't get a great big cloud. Yes, exactly, yeah. And Jeremy Renner's character would have jumped out of the car and then fallen on the, whether he had a hanky on his face or not, would have fallen <laughs> over and died. So, yeah, in the shooting script, incidentally, Scarlet is the one who dies at this point, and the, then they left Renner with them until later in the underground. Okay. But, but uh, then they felt, oh, let's keep the woman with them, it feels more vulnerable. Uh, well, that whole sequence I just found incredibly confusing. I didn't really... Uh, well, I I didn't find it confusing, and it was sort of tense. The reason I wasn't particularly tense is I couldn't really give a shit whether any of them made it at that point, mm. I'm afraid. Um, but uh, the moment when an infected attacks and beats her to death with the rifle, I found that incredibly confusing to work out what was going on. I had no yeah. idea. It was only afterwards that I understood that's what happened. And then I Agreed. gather that that's Robert Carlyle's character because that infected beats her to death and then just disappears. And the other two are shouting, where are you? Where are you? And that he doesn't come and kill them. Or I don't mm-hmm. know. I, it didn't make any sense to me. It was just all set up to create that final bit where Robert Carlyle's like, uh, where she had to kill her dad and I just it felt all a bit forced and artificial so I Mm. I remember this being a really thoughtful good sequel that expanded the idea and I remember particularly remembering oh carriers that's a good idea that's how it could cross but have it and and the opening I particularly remember the opening in the cottage and I thought Mm. that was really evocative and a good scene which I still think it is the rest of it though is a bit tosh it looks as if the sock fairy has struck yeah, yeah, didn't work for us. Alright. Uh, uh, let's point out, you know, Volvo V70, windscreen wipers will clear blood and viscera. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, well, um, alright, so, masterpiece time, I guess. Uh, 28 days later, what do you think? Days? No, but I liked it. I mean, it was, it's definitely a film I would choose to watch again. Um, yes. I have some specific problems with it, as we've just been talking about, uh, yeah. which, which to me keep it from being a masterpiece. But it, it's pretty good, pretty good. I I agree. I think it's a derivative, um, but also evolves the genre. It's very interesting and has a surprising warmth. Um, and I like it a lot, but I'm not sure. It was incredibly influential, which is one of our. Um, mm. uh, 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 one of our can, um, touchstones for whether this was masterpiece or not, but I agree with you. Uh, I like it a lot, but um, I, I, I don't think it quite does enough to be a masterpiece for me. Uh, Twenty-eight weeks later, no. <laughs> Sorry, it's a better sequel than a lot. I suppose. I, I was actually a little surprised say. to learn that it was only a fifteen million budget. The original was made for eight million. Yeah, yeah. So we didn't uh, get but one. but it feels like. A big budget film that has been subject to all the focus grouping and, you know, change the story, we don't like it, and all that kind of thing. It's, just, it's, it's that sort of incoherence. I agree, yeah, it's been hacked around. And I think the script was hacked around a fair bit. But I agree. Um, the, the, the only change I know about there is um, originally the actual film was going to end with uh, the helicopter flying over the cliffs um, and he's, yes, I am infected, close up. Oh, I see. And, and uh, then the parked helicopter. 
okay. But, but, but then they realised, hang on a minute, we can do this extra scene, and then basically the, the um, you know, director and cameraman flew to uh, Paris to well, I like, uh, I like, I like, I, a bunch of extras. That the final scene with the the infected with the um, Eiffel Tower, unsubtle though it is, that stuck with me over the years, and I I, I like that. But uh, overall, if film has taught me anything, it's that everywhere in Paris lets you see the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> exactly, that's right. That, that's how you know you're in Paris, right? Um, uh, overall, I was pleasantly surprised that by 28 days later, I hadn't remembered the warmth of it. Uh, and the hope, mm. um, which is a shame because that feels like it shines across now. Um, it makes me worry about my youthful self. Um, and 28 weeks <laughs> later, I had remembered as being a, a, an almost as good as Aliens kind of sequel, um, uh, and it, it isn't. <laughs> so um, I have no trusting of my memory whatsoever. But at least I can listen to this podcast now instead of relying on my memory. Anymore. <laughs> um, well, there we go. Uh, I, I haven't asked you about 28 weeks later, but it's not. It's not meant to be. No, no, definitely not. Um, I've the only way I can see myself watching it, it again is if I want to nitpick something. <laughs> they are talking, there has been talk for years and years and years about 28 months later. I mm-hmm. don't really care if there is or isn't. If there is one, I'd probably watch it. I'm not that excited. I, the, the the idea of the world, uh, it's not something I'd say. I, I feel like post-apocalyptic zombie world has been explored to the point where I am not in any way interested in seeing another one, unless there's something very new about it. Yeah, I mean, 28 Days Later did have some new things to say. Yeah, yeah. But lots of other films have come along since then. Yeah, I I, I couldn't really care less whether it, whether they make another one or not. But I really like 28 Days Later. There, well, there, there, we were, there were some complications about rights as well. I, I gather they, they're hoping, but, you know, who knows. They've, they've been hoping for 10 years now. <laughs> that, that we may see another one again, and I may watch it if it does. I, to be, I wouldn't want. Uh, I would be worried. I wouldn't want Jim or Celine um, to be back in it because obviously they would have to die in that one, and I'd rather they just had a happy ending like this. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we are. Um, I don't know how to finish off that, um, <laughs> other than by shooting to death for a close family member, which I'm probably not going to. Andy! 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 No! No! Andy! No! Andy! <laughs>